I met Zach Giglio and his wife, Emma, in the summer of 2019. They had seen a photo of Low Country Local First's co-working space, Local Works, on LinkedIn, and since their growing communications firm was looking for a spot to call home, they figured they'd check us out. I was immediately impressed with the Giglios. From the moment I met them, I could tell they were warm, kind-hearted, brilliant, hardworking, well-traveled, and empathetic. They both have a great sense of humor and are really passionate about what they do. Their Low Country headquartered business, Giglio Communications and Marketing, or GCM for short, is one of a kind. GCM is at once large and small, versatile and focused, local and international. Over the years, their clients have ranged from a Long Island pizza joint nearby to where Zach grew up, to impact and innovation companies focused on changing the world. Today, my conversation with Zach, who has become a good friend of mine since that first tour of our co-working space all those months ago, strives to get at the heart of what it means to be a local business with a global orientation, and why it's important to always be searching for who your business really is. GCM never did sign up for that office space at Local Works two years ago, but the fact that Zach agreed to help us kick off our new podcast was so kind that I think I might be finally considering forgiving him. This is Small Talk's Big Ideas with Steve, and I'm your host, Steve Fletcher, Community Partnership Manager at Low Country Local First. Here's today's interview with Zach Giglio of Giglio Communications and Marketing, a Low Country Local First member and a huge supporter of our local independent business community. Without any more ado, I'm going to welcome on Zach Giglio. Zach, I'd love you to just introduce yourself and uh, let us know about you and your business. Thank you, Steve. It's um, it's really exciting to to be a part of this. I appreciate the really kind words, um, uh, and that introduction is awesome. I'm I'm going to play that before every one of my Zoom calls um, in, in, in my work with clients and things like that to make sure that they kind of see that somebody sees me that way, but that's awesome. Um, no, but so I, you know, this is great. I love that you and Low Country Local First are putting this podcast on. I think everything you do in the community is very important. You make big efforts to communicate to the community about what you're doing and about how, how we can all get involved and, and we love following your lead. Um, so yeah, so we, I'm with Giglio Communications and Marketing. We founded, my wife and I, the company uh, here uh, in the Charleston area. Last year, we kind of turned what we were doing consulting-wise into, into an actual, you know, real business. And we work with um, clients around the world that we believe are having a positive impact in their industry and in the communities in which they operate. The idea... For this came out, I mean, so Emma, my wife and business partner and I have kind of traveled and lived around a bit, uh, different countries, different hemispheres um, uh, before settling here. And we just saw the power that human connection has on people, on on relationships and and on business. And we want to help our clients that we believe are doing good things in the world kind of further those human connections, but on, on a larger scale, uh, so we can have larger impact. Yeah. I mean, Zach, that's, that's, uh, 
Yeah, that's, uh, you know, giving me some goosebumps. Uh, you know, I, I, I particularly appreciate everything that you all stand for. I think it's important to uh, not just look at the bottom line when you're a business, um, particularly a local independent business, but to think about ways to be really conscious and intentional about why you do what you do and, and to think about ways to kind of communicate why you do what you do. And I, I imagine as a, as a communications firm that it gets a little meta at times. You're probably like not just thinking about how to run a communications business, but also thinking about like how you're going to communicate out what you do as a communications business. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, I think it's probably true in many industries, but in the comms industry, it's like the cobbler's son has no shoes. You know, comms, <laughs> comms firms like traditionally just always put themselves last. Um, but what mm -hmm. we tell the people that the clients that we work with is, you know, we believe what you're doing is like really impactful in, in business and in the world and in society and in your communities. And so it is like it's almost a responsibility to tell a strong story and to communicate that because some of these things are just not as normalized as we want them to be. And if we believe that we're trying to be a part of that movement and a part of this, this idea of, of good business, you know, we need to take care to do it ourselves. And so we're trying not to fall into that trap. Um, you know, client work always comes first, but we just have an awesome team who we all kind of share a similar vision. And so we're able to really kind of focus on telling our own story as, as a part of the larger movement. Cool, cool. That's awesome, Zach. Um, you mentioned good business. Zach uh, and his wife, who is uh, just as great and awe-inspiring and brilliant as Zach is, uh, as he mentioned, both run GCM. Uh, he and his wife have decided to be one of our higher-level sponsors for the Good Business Summit this year. It's our eighth annual Good Business Summit. It's going to be virtual this year. We couldn't thank them more for their support and vision there. Um, and certainly Good Business is at the forefront of why we put together this big annual business conference. It's all about pairing profit and purpose. It's all about bringing in folks who are thinking about new and perhaps non-traditional, exciting ways to make sure that they are thinking outside just the bottom line when they're thinking about how to do what they do business-wise. Um, so thank you, Zach, for that. Um, I wanted to ask you, Zach, why it's important for you. So you're, you're one of our members at Low Country Local First. That means you're, you, f you fill in uh, that, that four-point criteria nicely. Uh, you're headquartered here. Uh, there's a number of other uh, reasons why you're eligible for a membership. Wanted to know, why was it important for you to join an organization like Low Country Local First? What is it about communicating out to your clientele, your customers, your colleagues that you are local that is important to you? Why, uh, why be associated with an organization like LLF? Yeah, so I think when you thinking about it more at, at a, a macro higher level, we and all of the clients that we work with believe strongly in local community-driven initiatives. And so even though we work with global and large clients and, you know, multiple countries and continents and things, they too are also being cognizant of the impact that they are having and that they're trying to have in the local communities in which they operate. And so, I mean, it's our philosophy and our belief, as, as I know it is yours, that regardless of where you conduct business, you need to think about it on a local level. It's not like 
you know, we we are just trying to work at a federal level because we have federal, you know, national clients or something. Mm. You know, we're here, and and it would be incongruent if we didn't take that same care that we kind of expect our clients to take when thinking about where they operate. And low country, local first, particularly. I mean, just we just kind of are cut from the same ilk. We just share the same same perspective perspective and view on the benefits of not only contributing to the local community and doing what you can to be a part of it and make it stronger, but all the benefits that you get from doing that. It's like one of the highest return on our time investments that we make is with Low Country Local First and in the community because we are here, you know, we're not just starting a business here. We're starting mm-hmm. a family here. We have employees here. We use vendors here. We we patronize local businesses here. I mean, this is where we're looking to spend our lives, grow our families and grow old. I mean, so, you know, thinking about your community as a place, as your home, and also thinking about your business's impact is just something really important to us. Yeah, community as home, uh, headquarters city as home is uh, something that I can uh, can can connect with as well, and I think that's a really powerful way to put it. So, why why exactly the low country for your business? Then, um, you know, you mentioned it's important for you to feel uh, kind of connected to the city that your business calls home. Why did you initially choose the Low Country? Did was, was it an, an intentional choice? I mean, you've got there's London, there's Paris. For an international firm like yours, Zach, there are cities that arguably are a more natural fit for folks who are going to think about doing business with clients who are based in other countries or based in huge metro centers like Chicago, New York City, LA. Um, is there a personal connection to the low country for you? Why did you decide to start a business here as opposed to somewhere else? Yeah, it's a good question. It was a very happy accident. So a few years ago, Emma and I were living in my native Long Island, New York. After having traveled around, we were were back there and we took a visit because we heard Charleston was a nice place to take a long weekend in February. And we got here. The like the moment we got here, there was just some sort of odd connection that we felt um, to the place, and we started joking. Oh, we should we should move here. Um, and then by like day two of our trip, we were like seriously looking into like could could we actually do it? Should we actually do it? And so we came we came back with all of the like romantic notions of moving to the low country but then because we are planners and 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 try to be organized we started actually doing research into could we start a business here like what are the resources like would they would there be enough talent and infrastructure and a just a um like an environment for entrepreneurship and so what we mm-hmm. did actually, we didn't know about Low Country Local first yet. And another good organization around here, as you know, is the Charleston Chamber. We flew back yep. in uh, a few months later and went to a chamber meeting to talk to local businesses to see was there, was, it, was there a supportive community? Was there a supportive environment? And everything that we heard and found out and could research showed us that the infrastructure and environment around local businesses here is as good as we've seen anywhere else. The talent is incredible. Already, like great global businesses have started and come out of Charleston. Plus, global businesses want to come into Charleston and work. Um, 
and it's a really attractive place to to even attract talent from out of the region. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. have uh, people on our team from all over the country and, and all over the world, uh, extended to contractors, and they're dying to come visit kind of like the headquarters here and have like a big team meeting. And as we continue to grow and we have some pretty ambitious plans to grow here in the low country, just the, you know, the business environment, but also just the quality of life and the beauty and the, the charm of the place is a draw. And you need that when you want to attract talent. Yeah. I think that's incredibly well put. It, it, it there's a lot about uh, the low country, even a few things that were off my radar as, as you went through mm-hmm. that, that list that, that I can uh, that I can uh, that definitely resonate with me when I think about why folks want to establish themselves here, whether it's as an entrepreneur or as something else. Um, why it's a great place for a family and why it's an attractive place for new workers uh, to uh, to travel to and to and to set up shop at. So I, I, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I know, mean, but I, say I for one, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just so just to to, to maybe put a finer point on one, on one of the things I was trying to communicate sure. is. You know, just the fact that like low country, local first exists and is as prevalent and influential in the community is indicative of the kind of community that we have. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like low country, local first. Uh, there are your, you know, th- that organization everywhere, but it is here mm-hmm. and it is vibrant here. And it is a part of a number of organizations that care about not only growing businesses, but as you say, growing business in a way that is impactful and beneficial to the community and to society as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And for folks interested in looking at uh, some of the few other cities and metro centers who have a local first movement or alliance, you can check out ILSR, the Institute of Local Self-Reliance. They do a pretty good job of keeping their finger to the pulse of groups like ours that are popping up uh, every day. Uh, you're right. You're absolutely right, Zach. There, there are not, there are not nearly enough low country, local first type organizations out there. We would hope that every municipality, every city, large or small has a low country, local first. Um, we, we like to think that we are helping move the barometer in the right direction when we're uh, trying to connect businesses, when we're trying to connect entrepreneurs when we're trying to find uh, sources of capital for folks, when we're trying to educate and support entrepreneurs, um, you know, and, and when we're trying to launch awareness and educational campaigns to the general public. So I appreciate that you have seen that here. And it, we're, you know, we're privileged and, and fortunate to be able to call uh, ourselves home to a great company like yours. Um, I, I'm going to ask you, you touched upon this, you started to go in this direction a little bit. Um, you sound like you are, you know, not just a fan of being established here in the low country, which is great, but also you seem to be a, a very much so a proponent of local independent business as an idea here in the low country. It sounds like you're looking to kind of expand your footprint uh, on your team, et cetera, here in Charleston. I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite local independent business? And, and we as an organization are very uh, interested in finding ways for businesses to work with each other here in the low country in order to increase uh, kind of that domino effect, that ripple effect, we call it, uh, of reinvestment here. So is there a local independent business here that, A, you work with kind of um, through GCM that you really like doing business with? Um, and or is there a favorite local independent business here in Charleston that you just love to go get coffee and croissants at? Or you love to, you know, buy toys for your really cute uh, child Aldo at? <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably one of the toughest questions you could ask us. Uh, in, in, in all seriousness. So, and, and another version of answering this question is when we have people to come visit, like, and they only have a limited time, where are the, like the few places we take them? 
I do have to call out, I think, one, because I think this 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 one business is always considerate of the community and is doing things for the community. It is also a world-class establishment of its kind. Uh, and that's that's uh, Edmunds Oast Exchange. So mm-hmm. they run that wine shop, uh, also sell beer and all that stuff. And the the team, the selection of wine, the care that they put into like their actual store and service that they provide people is is unbelievable and they do things like on wednesdays from i think 10 a.m to 2 our free covid testing in the parking lot um and i know they do other things to to be involved and we just like love going in there um Mm -hmm. and and to show that one it's it's a good combination of being local, but also like world-class talent. So we have friends who are very into wine and family all over the U S who are now starting to order wine from local, uh, from Edmonds Oast exchange. I mean, I'm talking about like in major metropolitan cities with like tons of wine shops. Yet yet there's, yet they see the value of Edmonds Oast exchange, um, as, uh, you know, a specialty wine shop and, and also appreciate some of the stories we tell about like your involvement in the community. So that, I mean, that's one, to say it's my favorite, it's really, really difficult, but that's one. And we patronize. Well, that, yeah, it's, it's tough to, I mean, I've got friends as well in, in, in places like New York city who, so, so it sounds like not only, and this is news to me, not only does Edmunds, Edmunds O's exchange do a really good job of curating that wine and finding ways to, to, to to pick uh, really, really uh, interesting wines and distribute them to uh, major cities. But obviously, you know, we all know they're uh, world-class brewery and I had no idea that they were they were so far flung like they, they've got kegs in restaurants you'd never believe like all across the country oh, every day yeah. I'll have a new friend telling me like have you tried this beer like I, I just realized they're from your town um, which is really cool and and you mentioned Emmons Oats Exchange for folks who don't know that's the beer and wine retail store um, in downtown Charleston it's right next to their restaurant um, I go into their restaurant with my wife a lot, particularly during the pandemic. They're doing an incredible job. I don't know if you've been in there with Emma, Zach, but they, they're really doing a great job at uh, adhering to you know all social distancing guidelines, making sure people are wearing masks if they aren't sitting down. I mean, a lot of restaurants in town are doing that, which is great to see, but I would, I would give them an extra bump yeah. and, and just – just, just, just say that I'm really uh, in admiration at how seriously they've taken things and how they've been able to keep business going despite the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, we've been pretty, um, you know, concerned about the pandemic as, as many people have been, and we always feel pretty safe going there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, they've they've done a great job to 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 allow that experience and that you know just being cooped up. I mean, Charleston, the, a lot, so much of the culture is that is like going out and meeting people and enjoying mm-hmm. the food and the drinks and stuff like that. And to be able to continue that when, um, we've had this pandemic and we're trying to all be safe. It's like, it's like really, it's like a big service for, for the community. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So I cut you off. Any more Giglio recommendations that we need to be on the lookout for local independent businesses that you and Emma patronize or recommend to folks when they're in town? So there's another, there's um, a coffee shop uh, called Sightsee. Um, so it's uh, it's a great little coffee shop. It's absolutely delicious, awesome coffee, local. They It's a really cool vibe. It's, you know, they've done some traveling as well. And so when you go into the shop, they have 
you know, different things from all over the world, trying to bring you some of that experience, particularly when it's harder to travel these days. So, I mean, we also uh, love doing that, love going to them. Um, as you can see, coffee and wine is kind of a big part of our life. But <laughs> hey, is there much more to life, life than that? I mean, yeah, coffee, wine. I, I saw at one point you've got a, a record player behind you. Yes. For folks who, who don't know, and I'd imagine that's a very large group of people, unless you are uh, consider yourself a stalker. But for folks who don't know, <laughs> Zach sits in front of a litany of interesting objects. Um, so when you're on a video call with him or recording a podcast like we are, you are able to um, infer a lot. He's got a Star Wars figurine. He's got, I don't want to. I don't want to reveal too much, but it's all very curated. There are books, very old uh, books that make him look very smart, smarter yeah. than I <laughs> he was, and I, I knew he was very smart. He's got a record player. There's vinyl. There's. I, I don't want to give too much away. You'll have to uh, set up a business meeting with Zach to get on a Zoom call to see all this for yourself. But I am. Uh, I'm impressed. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's actually really interesting thing. I mean, when I'm looking at when we're on all these Zoom calls and stuff. It's always so interesting. It's either like this is the place that I happen to be sitting or this is the place that I've arranged for you to be able to have insight into the kind of person I am. And and, and it's interesting like who takes which which choice, like which option people have, like, right. like people go. And then it's like, right. well, I know like, even for me, it's like these aren't all the things in my house. These are just the things in my house that I care for people to associate with me. And what does that say about right, me? You right. know, like I want, like, right. like you said, like, I mean, it's, it's true. I want people to think that I read like old books, like, because it makes me look smarter. I want people to think that I have vinyl because I really care about music. And, and I believe mm -hmm. those two things are true about me, but I want people to also associate that with me. So it is a real funny kind of like, experiment and the more people you have these calls with the more interesting it can get yeah well and then you've got the backgrounds of people where there's like an active volcano erupting <laughs> yeah. um you know there's an ice rink and it's the middle of july there's uh yeah i i think I'm, I'm with you in that i i'm i'm always kind of on the edge of my seat to see who's gonna like be sharing what yeah uh, in terms of zoom background yeah um so we're going to wrap things up here in a minute, Zach. I just wanted to quickly mention to folks, this is a shameless plug for LLF. Zach brought up Sightsee and Edmund Zos. They're both active members of the organization. If you are a local independent business owner, you know one, and you think they would benefit from being able to network with other local independent business owners, uh, please send them our way, lowcountrylocalfirst.org slash join is the easiest way to see all those membership benefits and to sign up safely and securely online. Just takes a couple of minutes. Um, Zach, of course, is also a member. He and his wife are members. GCM is the company. Zach, anything else you want to tell us about GCM? Obviously, we're a local first organization, but you know we're interested in just what you're doing, whether or not it has to do with advocating for local independent businesses. So is there anything that's kind of on your radar right now or anything that's like hyping you up and getting you interested to do what you do? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. We're, we're fortunate in that we work with clients that we completely love and believe in and and I don't know if we're just in the bubble of like just working with businesses that have similar ethoses but it just feels like because of organizations like low country local first that there is more of a movement and an understanding of the exponential power that businesses have to to make impacts outside of their bottom line. And that's not to say that a bottom line isn't important. Like I 
look at the bottom, our bottom line on a daily basis because, you know, it's important. I want to make money and, and I like money. But at the same time, like if we believe we are a business trying to do good in the world, it, it, it would behoove us to have a decent bottom line so we can sustain ourselves over the years and continue to do that. And I think that there is this growing understanding, at least with the, the organizations that we work with and the people that we talk to, that people are becoming more interested in and accepting the idea that there isn't a choice. It's not like you, you know, it used to be, okay, you go to work, then you come home and on the weekends, maybe you do some volunteer stuff. And now it's like, well, you can, you can still do that and should, but you can combine the work that you're doing, the pat, the things that you're passionate about with the things that you care about in the world the most, whether that is, um, building local communities in a certain way or impacting, you know, people and solving hunger or fighting climate change or really whatever it is, there's more opportunities and more acceptance that business has that role. And almost even that, that there's an expect, there's an increasing expectation for business to play that role where, you know, now like, you know, you see CEOs and, and businesses coming and taking stances on societal issues that are within but also outside of their direct industry because they understand their influence, mm -hmm. they understand their reach, their secondary networks, uh, and they're taking it upon themselves to be a part of what they believe in is right. Now, not everybody's going to agree with everybody. That's fine. But the place the, the place that this is all coming from is, is from trying to do good. And, and that yeah. is exciting me the most. It's like what makes us love working with our clients. It doesn't feel like work. Like we feel like we're doing stuff that we just believe in. And I think for us doing comms, it's, I think it's actually really important in this space because a lot of these people that we work with are actually like really humble. Like they, they think like their mission is to just do the work that they believe is good. And they're, mm -hmm. they're less comfortable kind of not boasting, but promoting it because it, they, it's just not in their nature. And then we come in and try and help them do that in a way because we believe that in order to get as wide adoption of these principles that we want, more people have to know about it and more people have to see that it's also a viable business avenue. It's not sacrificing sure. your business to try to do good. It's actually in the long, in the long run, probably going to be even more profitable if you, if you consider outside of bottom line impacts. So how specifically does GCM do that, kind of uh, remove that that arbitrary line between this is my work, this is how I make m money, uh, and then this is my weekend, this is how I do volunteer work, this is my philanthropy time? How do you make a kind of a conscious, intentional effort to blur those lines specifically? And then as a leader, because a lot of this has to come top down, I'd imagine you set the tone, you set the vision. What would you what would you recommend to other leaders who want to kind of start doing this a little bit more intentionally day to day? Yeah, I mean, I think you you've said the word, um, the important word, which is intentional. Like you just have to I think what we what we do is we try and and we have conversations throughout the team to see what we believe in. And when we have an opportunity to work with a new client, we discuss it and we say, is this in line with what we believe is is good? And and mm -hmm. that's before we talk about how much we can get paid. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're saying, is this something that we can believe in? And, and, and look, this isn't to say that we have some sort of like true north on our moral compass. Like we're not going to get it right all the time. But the place that we're coming from 
is that this is work or these are clients that we believe are trying to have positive impacts in areas that we want them to have positive impacts. And so we then get to make that choice and, and, and try and pursue working with them. Um, and so that's, that's one way that, that we're trying to be intentional about it is at the, is at the very beginning. And we operate a pretty lean business that we're, we're fortunate to be able to, um, to kind of pick and choose a little bit or to at least have our preference. I think, I think that any advice that I would give is just to, is to try and understand what impacts you want to have as an organization. And it doesn't have to be these great grand things, but just at least saying like, well, where, where is our compass? Like what, like what's off limits for us? What is, where are the areas we want to have an impact? And then just to be intentional about it, set up and also set up like measurable ways to see like, are we advancing that? Or did we maybe not have the year that we wanted to in the impact? It's the same way that you would measure your financial performance, right? Like every business has um, financial goals that they want to hit three years, five years down the road. And they, it's very easy to track. Are you hitting those? But People until right. now, I think, have just taken less care to develop similar systems to be able to understand your your impact goals and to set up metrics to be able to judge your effectiveness. And the more you can do that, the more intentional you can be and then the better impact you have. But I think it's also good to remember that, like, it's again, it's not a there isn't some clear line like, you know, we're probably going to end up you know, working for on a project or a client that maybe wasn't a hundred percent that what we, what we thought it was going to be. It's definitely not the case right now, but like, you know, we're open that that's the thing. It's not like we know exactly what to do. It's just that we're trying to be intentional about starting at a place that is going to get us both profit and purpose in the way that we want it to. Yeah. I love that. And, and you're communicating out that you do it in a, in a way that isn't self-serving, at least by, by my measure. And I, I follow you all on LinkedIn and elsewhere. Um, whenever you're, you're, uh, you're kind of broadcasting to your audience and to the world, what you do and why you do it, it's always in a, in, in kind of a narrative way that is on brand, uh, and, and doesn't feel like you're, you know, watching like a better call Saul episode and it's some cheesy schmaltzy sales pitch, uh, which, which is, which, which I, which I appreciate. Um, and so for folks listening in, uh, you know, if you too want to communicate what you do, why you do it in a non cheesy schmaltzy way, go ahead and reach out to Zach Giglio, uh, and get them to help you out now, but in all honesty, make sure you hire local and, 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 and really consider hiring folks like Zach's firm. Uh, keep in mind and Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I know you work with clients that are that are large, usually have very large market share and are in many different markets, geographically speaking. And so uh, I, I know uh, there there may not be, you know, thousands and thousands of prospective clients for you here in the low country, but for anyone listening and by virtue of the fact that this is a podcast, you could be located anywhere. Um, keep in mind that, um, and I don't want to speak for you, Zach, but keep in mind that uh, GCM is uh, is doing really, really, really impactful, intentional work around marketing and communications. And, and it's for firms and businesses and clients out there who are of varying sizes across a lot of different industries. Is that right? Zach, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, and, and we'll wrap it up here, but uh, why don't you uh, just just uh, share with us kind of what you what next steps are, are out there for uh, GCM in terms of either expansion or maybe uh, uh, focusing on one thing over another? Um, what, what's coming in the next one to five years? What, what can we expect from GCM? And um, 
and what will the world look like, the business world, particularly local, look like post-COVID? Yeah, that's just uh, just in the last two minutes. Let's just wrap all that up. Um, yeah, in two minutes to tell us about like the the, the human the trajectory of human history uh, after this once in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, of course. Um, no, so I mean, just just to your comment about you know the types of clients we work with, we do typically work with you know larger or larger global organizations. Um, um, that have footprints in in multiple countries and continents, um, but we are a local, you know, low country business, and and we're also, you know, we sit on a nonprofit of going places, which is an unbelievable nonprofit born out of um, born out of this area as well, doing really good work, um, and and we also have conversations with businesses, you know, even through know, through you through Low Country Local First, we set up some office hours where we're all, we're always open to have a conversation and. Uh, you know, as we always say, like the advice is free, uh, the work isn't, but the advice is if you ever want to have a conversation, if there's any local organization or any organization, but particularly local organization in the low country area who just wants to have a conversation, they're thinking about something they, they're, um, regarding marketing communications or anything with our experience, like we will always have that conversation and, and love to do that because we grow from that as well. And that's, that's, it's a mutually beneficial situation. Um, so even if it's not necessarily within our, like, um, like, clientele like typical clientele it's it's still worth the conversation at least for us um i mean our plans are to 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 grow i mean i i really think we are building a model and a kind of business that has a pretty unique perspective on the the marketing communications market like it's I, I, you know and i've worked for some and there's great organizations out there um, that are they're also doing really really good work, but I think that the 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 some of the the intentionality that we're having, the angles that we're pursuing, how we work with our clients, the type of work we're trying to do with our clients, I just I just we're I know at least I mean you know we're drinking our own Kool Aid, but we're really excited about our vision and what we think we can do, and the and the one of the best signs is that you know to to check that is that our clients are wanting to work with us more. You know, like, so, you know, you can always get like a new client, uh, but sooner or later, they're going to see you, like, they'll see how you actually work, the value you actually provide. And when clients re-up with you and give you more business, it shows, okay, we're onto something here, particularly when it's clients you really admire and respect. And so we do want to grow, but we want to do it in a way where we can build in a, like the kind of culture that we want work with the kind of clients that we want. So, you know, we're, we do have some pretty ambitious plans of growth. We want to definitely hire a lot more locally, um, but not so ambitious that ambition is the only thing driving, you know, how we grow. Um, as far as what, what, what the the, the world is going to look like after COVID, I obviously have no idea, but the one thing that I have, I have been really moved by is, this, I think, like heightened recognition that there is no substitute for like human connection. You know, if you think mm -hmm. about all the innovation and effort that people have made through this pandemic, it's to increase human connection. And if we didn't realize it before, I think we know how much we need each other. I think we know how important community is more than we ever did. Because obviously, if you take something away from someone, uh, even for a short time, they, they realize how important it was in the first place. And so what I see is, is when we can all you know, safely and comfortably get back in the same room with each other. The like the kind of like the potential energy that we've been building you know, through these calls and, and, and 
and whatever replacements we have for actual human interaction is going to explode with positive kinetic energy and it's going to be an amazing thing. Man, all right. Now I'm now I'm excited about the future, which is something I haven't said in a while. So thank you for that, Zach. <laughs> uh, you gave me a little something extra on this podcast. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we'll wrap it up there. GCM creates human connections through communications and marketing, and I really love the way Zach just put that. There's no substitute for those human connections. Um, if you want to get in touch with Zach, Zach, how can they do that? Uh, Zach at whoisgcm.com, uh, LinkedIn. Um, send me a message. I'll send you my, my cell phone and, and happy to talk. Cool. The website is whoisgcm.com. That's W-H-O-I-S-G-C-M.com. Zach's a great guy. If you didn't get it from this 30 minutes, then you sure will get it after you reach out to him and communicate with him a few times. Uh, Emma, his wife is as well. And I know, Zach, how's the, uh, how's the kid? You've got a little one in there, right? He's great. Um, he's, he's getting close to nine months. He is very funny. Um, and is he communicating yet? Is he communicating well and intentionally? He is communicating pretty well and very intentionally. It, it, we're not, he doesn't speak English yet, but we're not ever unsure about what he's trying to tell us. <laughs> we know when he's happy enough. No, but he's, he's really great. Um, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, English is overrated anyway. So oh, yeah. it's good to hear that he's doing well. And uh, listen, Zach, always a pleasure, man. I appreciate it. For folks listening in, uh, GCM is the company, Giglio Communications and Marketing. They have helped us out in a really big way with our Good Business Summit. If you're listening, uh, the Good Business Summit has already happened, but it's our big annual business conference this year. It happened virtually, and they were one of our higher level sponsors. So we endlessly are thankful to GCM for that. Zach, thanks so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share with folks before we uh, head our separate virtual ways? Uh, just a shameless plug for LLF. Um, the benefit you get from being a member is uh, far outweighs the, um, the, the cost that it might cost. Um, it's, it's the return, the return on investment is amazing. It's a huge benefit. So, I mean, thank you, Steve. Thank you to the whole team. Uh, we, a huge reason of why we love living and growing a business here is, is low country, local first. Well, appreciate that, man. That I've written that down and that will be on our front page very shortly, yes. which is by the way, lowcountrylocalfirst.org. Awesome. Um, thanks so much, Zach. It's always, uh, it's always great chatting with you and catching up and uh, wishing the best for you, Emma, Aldo, and the whole GCM team. So thank you again. That's great. Thanks, Steve. Well, folks, there you have it. One podcast episode down, many more to come. Thank you to all of our many supporters for making this podcast happen. As a nonprofit, we rely on grants, donations, membership, sponsorship, and more to fuel programs like this podcast. Check out our website at lowcountrylocalfirst.org to find out how you can join the buy local and eat local movements here in the low country of South Carolina. Be sure to tune in next time for another interview with another local independent business changemaker. And last but not least, thank you to The Shingles for writing and recording the Small Talks Big Ideas with Steve theme song.